Thanks to the COVID crisis, a local dairy farm faced an absolutely unexpected problem. I wouldn't have thought of this. But this has been the way it's been, hasn't it? With what's happening with COVID-19 and all the changes in our society. So many things that I think a lot of us would have never thought of. I'm going to share a little bit of this local dairy story. Welcome back to the Farming Show here on KGMI News Talk 790. Now, this is a dairy that doesn't do things the normal way, quote unquote. Um, they actually kind of do it the old school way where they direct uh, market milk from the dairy to stores in glass bottles. We're talking about Twinbrook Creamery that uh, back um, in the mid-2000s decided to... Um, Stop shipping to the, the co-op. Well, I think it took time to, to get there, but start marketing their milk directly. And they're famous for their glass bottles. They're famous for their cream top milk. And I sat down with their co-owner, Larry Stapp, uh, recently to, to, to talk about the history of their business and what drives them to do what they do and how they found success, the risks that they took to get there. The conversation was for uh, the podcast that I host. By the way, I do host a, a brand new podcast called Real Food, Real People, and I'd love it. I'd sure appreciate it if you subscribe to that. It's available on all the podcast platforms you can think of. And heck, if you find one that I'm not on, let me know, and I'll try to get on that one too. Uh, so I'm having a conversation with him for this podcast and this situation that they faced just a couple of weeks ago uh, came up. So I wanted to share this kind of sneak preview of the, you know, his episode is coming up this uh, coming week as well as the week after. It was long enough. I think it's going to have to be two parts. Again, I know I've been getting to, into the habit of two parters on the uh, on the Real Food, Real People podcast, but that's uh, it is what it is. So I want to share this bit from you, uh, this part of the conversation, not the whole thing, um, where he talks about the local food system and how they fit into it and how COVID is changing it. And then this problem that they faced that really was a gut check for their business. Of, are we going to be able to make it totally unexpected? And he'll explain what happens here in the conversation? Again, this is The Farming Show. I'm sharing with you here a little snippet from the Real Food, Real People podcast. Follow us on social media, uh, realfoodrealpeople.org uh, is the website, Real Food, Real People, or what is it, RFRP underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter and on um, Facebook too. Don't forget about Facebook. So that's kind of my new project. Just want to let you know about it. Share a little bit here, and I uh, sure would appreciate your support for that podcast, as well as the farming show that you've been so faithful to support here on KGMI. I do not like this, this COVID-19 pandemic that we're in, but all of a sudden people are waking up to, wow, we better keep our food supply local. Mm. Because all of a sudden, all the pharmaceutical stuff and the medications and all this stuff that we're dependent on foreign countries, we're kind of at somebody's mercy all of a sudden. I mean, it happened a number of years ago with the oil embargo in the Middle East. And so I think it's probably been a little bit of an eye-opener in terms of a lot of people recognizing the fact that we need to keep our food supply um, on, our, on our home soil. Um, I've talked with a lot of people before uh, in the, over the course of this time, and 
one of the things I said is, um, share when I grew up as a kid, you know, we, we only time we got strawberries was in strawberry season. The only time we got green beans is when green beans were in season. The only time we got corn on the cob is when corn was in season. Now you can go to the grocery store and buy it year-round, just about any time. Where does it come from? It doesn't come from your backyard anymore. It's probably imported, you know. And is that the way we want to go? Is that really necessary? I mean, we are incredibly spoiled as consumers in what we can get in a grocery store. And uh, maybe we don't need all that. Sadly, I heard recently with what's happening with COVID, uh, a CSA in our region, a community-supported mm-hmm. agriculture now farm that, that does CSA boxes, their orders went way up. Mm-hmm. But right away, also, these new subscribers, they got calls apparently within the first week of people saying, well, I, I want strawberries in my... <laughs> Yeah, it's not strawberry season. Oh. Well, what the heck? Why can't I have strawberries? Yeah, yep. it, it. To me, I just I don't want to believe that that people are that far disconnected. They are, you know, and and it's um, well, it, it's good and it's bad. I mean, it's a it's an incredible success story to the grocery stores and and the whole support network behind moving food around this country and around the world i mean now we can just do it incredibly well you know with refrigeration and freezing and 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 um, all that kind of stuff and we've spoiled we got spoiled as consumers there's no doubt about it but maybe it's time to step back and say you know what uh maybe it's not so important that i have strawberries year around or or whatever you know um, milk's year-round. We can get yeah. you that anytime. You know, that goes around uh, 24-7. So. At the same time, you guys have dealt with, you've proven that it's possible, but you've dealt with the challenges of going local, of bringing that local product to market to those more mainstream stores that people are used to shopping at. Yep. It's, I would guess, when you've learned how that works behind the scenes, you maybe realize it's not as easy as some people might think. I, I know the grocery stores get demonized quite a bit, and it's not always their fault that the system works the way that it does. No, it doesn't. But, you know, on the other hand, um, we talk about smaller and uh, uh, fewer and bigger farms. It, it's the same thing that's going on in, in the grocery world you know so the bigger you get the less flexibility you have and stuff like that but here are able to offer some other services that uh, other stores might not be able to do i um i got a lot of sympathy for the grocery um, community Um, one of the things that they struggle with is the same thing we talked about earlier lawsuits Mm. you know consumers are looking to make uh pretend they slipped on a banana peel or or they got sick eating this berry or this um, cereal or whatever so liability is is a huge thing for the grocery stores you know it's, it's huge and then as part of that liability too is um it, it's kind of a reflection of our society but if you're big and corporate you owe me, so I have the ability to go in and steal 
and it mm. doesn't bother my conscience because mm. you're so big and so wealthy that I you have to share some of that wealth with me, you know. And I've talked to so many grocery store managers and stuff like that. And what it cost them in terms of legal and documentation and stuff, the way the laws are set up to stop a shoplifter, that it sometimes it's cheaper for them to let that shoplifter walk out the door than it is to prosecute. And that's a sad sign of our society, very sad. Not only because that person thinks that that's okay that they do that, but our society or our legal world or whatever has become so rigid and so structured that we actually allow that to happen because of cost. Versus the principle. Versus the principle. Yep. With COVID happening, this pandemic, what's that change for your farm and your operation? It, uh, at first we thought, this will be just fine because we process our own milk and we sell it to the stores. And in actuality, the first week uh, after the, I don't know if it was a stay home or whatever, when all the businesses and restaurants and stuff that had to close, our milk sales made a significant jump. And then uh, uh, the second week into it, we got a, star, a, a call from a major grocery store chain that said that they do not want to take uh, our empty glass returns into their store because they're concerned of what that empty glass bottle could possibly bring in in terms of contamination such as the COVID virus. Um, I thought it might have been a little bit of an overreach. I thought there was ways that we could manage around it, but it was made at uh, levels way higher than I care to know about in the <laughs> corporate world. And uh, they said, so not only do we not want to take glass at this time, but then we would not like to even sell your glass off the shelf. Mm -hmm. Well, the store chain that um, told us that was probably one of our largest single group of stores that um, constitutes a pretty significant portion of our business. So we got that call on uh, 1030 on a Monday morning that... Uh, our milk sales were done in that store. Mm. Uh, so I immediately got on the phone, and this was the beauty of building relationships over the years with, uh, with those people. Uh, they said if we can find an alternative uh, package that uh, they would carry our milk because they absolutely loved our farm and what it's done for their stores and the local and the profitability. So by Tuesday afternoon at 2 o'clock, we were bottling milk in plastic bottles. Mm. And I tell you what, that was, it was chaos. It was crazy, but. You can't use the same equipment to do that. You can't use the same equipment. You know, you have to hand apply labels. You got to find plastic jugs. You got to, you know, we had to design and uh, design a label, um, get it uh, printed, and then find people to start putting them all on our jugs and stuff like that. So even to this day now, we're doing about half maybe in plastic uh, to satisfy those stores during the crisis time, and half is still in our glass. But uh, it's a significant cost hit to us because of all these additional costs that we have to um, pro uh, be incur just to pro uh, bottle our milk again yet. But you know what? We're bottling milk. 
it's being sold. It's maybe not being sold at quite the previous volume it was. Uh, we have a very, very uh, loyal and now happy even yet a uh, bunch of employees because uh, we're able to fully keep them employed mm. um, at this way and doing this kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was, uh, it's been a stressful couple of weeks around here. There's no doubt about that. How are you protecting but, your employees with the threat of the virus? You know, a lot of people are staying home, but you guys are an essential business, so they're still coming. You to know, work. we there's there's not. I mean, yeah, there are things you can do. Uh, we have safety meetings. We talk about, um, you know, reinforcing how many times you wash your hands every day. We uh, completely uh, during the uh, end of the day, um, we're just sanitizing everything you know we got a foaming machine and we're just spraying it all over with sanitizer and and then uh have safety meetings and we i really uh stress to uh, our employees to think about what you're doing when you're not working here be aware of it and uh what what i try to impress upon them and i've learned this for myself is um if i get the virus i may survive you know because if you're young enough and healthy enough um those Typically, it'll feel like a flu from what I understand, and mm-hmm. I think there's so much misinformation out there. But if I were to get it, let's just say, um, and I continually see my parents who live right next door to me, they're 87 and 89, and if I were to uh, expose them to it, I would feel pretty bad. Mm. Um, so you have to think beyond yourself with this COVID-19 thing. And... Uh, got a great bunch of employees and uh, uh, they're doing a great job for me and, and I think they're very very mindful of it all very much so probably a yeah. lot of people would have never thought of the glass bottle thing back to that no hiccup. explain how that works too I mean we talked about the the benefit of glass bottles mm-hmm. earlier and then that was your kind of niche yep but how does that you you guys market this stuff in a glass bottle and then it's available in the store and you get a basically a refund price when you bring that glass back yeah when a consumer buys our milk you might say they're actually buying two things they're buying the milk that's in the jar for a set price that the store determines and then they pay a deposit on that glass jar now the consumer can do one of two things they can decide to keep that glass jar if they want and or they can return it back to the store and get their deposit refund and then we refund the stores or bring them back here to our our little bottling plant and wash and sanitize and refill them again. That's part of our sustainability. Um, that's how the whole system works. But then the fear of what the what the uh, bottles would be bringing into the stores is what stopped it for a pretty significant number of stores. I will say that uh, some of and the it, stores, it wasn't on the the front end because they're sanitized and clean when they come. It's about right. people bringing them back from their homes, bringing the empties back from their use. homes. That yeah. was yeah. That's that was their fear. Um, I, I I can't argue with the stores, um, but I do know that there you know a lot of suggested ways that they could um, mitigate that by doing yeah. things a little bit different. But but uh, that's their choice. So uh, yeah, I I just um, I don't know what kind of a bin they have to put them in. But can you put it out front or something so they don't have to come in uh, the store? Oh uh, yeah, you they're, think they're, about all these things. There's there's a lot of ways, and, and yeah. we've sent out suggestions to the stores uh, yeah. how to how to accommodate it and, and still be safe. Uh, um, some of them are doing it, some of them aren't. So why do people like the glass bottle? Well, part of it is the sustainability. They can return it. It's not uh, filling a landfill. 
Okay. Not a plastic jug. It's not a carton. Um, uh, I always say uh, we're uh, glass bottles one step above recycling. It's reusable. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's huge. Uh, and, and that's an ever-growing concern in our in our nation and our world these nowadays. Um, you hear about the, the plastic blobs out in the ocean, and you hear about and see trains and trucks running up and down the road full of garbage, you know, bringing it to landfills and... And we live in a, in a in a terrible throwaway society. And if one little part that we can do is this, um, we're thankful for that. And so that's why we went to the glass. It also gave us a, a marketing opportunity that we would not have had otherwise. So, yeah. Um, it opened the door for us to a, a lot of stores, for which we give much thanks. Well, if you enjoyed that part of the conversation, and if you enjoy conversations with real farmers and the other people behind your food like that, please go and subscribe to the Real Food, Real People podcast um, and or follow us on social media. Again, Dylan Honkoop here on The Farming Show on KGMI, and that's my new project, uh, the Real Food, Real People podcast. Uh, Realfoodrealpeople.org is the website, so check that out. Sure would appreciate it, and uh, thanks for taking a listen here on the farming show, this whole podcast world's a, a new thing for me, but I, I'm getting used to it. I'm figuring it out, and, and I sure would appreciate your support. Thanks for being here this morning.